0: Three, two, one. This is the Insider's Podcast.
1: It was a different world for me for the first few months, and I had to learn a few lessons in the first 90 days. That's
0: Dano Willicks, a guy who did time for carrying cannabis over the Canada-US border. Dano's now a friend, he's a family man, and an award-winning legal cannabis grower. A while back, I told Dano that I wanted to record his story not to glorify going to jail or doing something illegal, but to understand what it must have been like for a young man to find himself behind bars south of the border. We jump into this one mid-conversation and get right into the story itself. This story is a little bit crazy, no doubt. I hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Insiders Podcast. And then I thought, you know, we, we need to have Canadian versions of High Times and Amsterdam Cannabis Cup. because I started following High Times back in the 80s. I had my yearly subscriptions where I get it mailed right to the door. I even sent in hard copy pictures back in the day. That's yeah. a different discussion when you try and take your... You're you're filming to London drugs when you have illegal plants on it.
0: no shit. In the 90s for sure, right? They're like, what is this? That's right,
1: yeah.
0: And when they used to have the machines where you'd walk in the mall and you could look through the glass and you would see what was being developed, you know, the pictures would be falling out and you could look at them. Um, You're quite vocal about uh, your love of cannabis online and beyond. You're out of the closet, as they say. Was there a bit of a transition period in the last, say, 10 years, five years even, where you felt a lot more comfortable about uh, talking about a public
1: Well, there still is a stigma, but not as strong as it was years ago. You know, guys I know have had their life ruined because of cannabis. And we're not talking super organized crime where we have guns and other drugs involved or we're supporting terrorism. We're talking about guys that wanted to grow clean cannabis, save a few bucks, and do it with uh, with no scrutiny and no judgment. But unfortunately, because the way the laws were written, that was illegal. And some guys did time for it. Some guys lost their families because of it, you know?
0: Yeah, no shit. We're, we're in
1: a different time now. But yeah, um, it it was the bump in the night thing, you know, when it was illegal, if you were growing for personal or if you were even growing, if you were a black market dude, it was the risk you take, right? And with risk, there's consequences. But it was a different way of life when things weren't legal and you didn't have a license from Health Canada to grow legally.
0: You got into trouble yourself, I guess, uh, about 20 years ago. Can you tell me about that?
1: Well, back in 1999... Uh, there was a time in my life where I needed a favor and I reached out and I asked a friend for $10,000 for a personal favor it was a family matter and I was trying to get things on par with my firstborn I was in the middle of a custody issue and basically I retained a lawyer and I needed some money. So when I reached out for a loan I was offered a, a, a one-time scenario where um, I was going to help transport some cannabis across the border and uh, at that time I think I was going to get 15 grand American which was I I memory served me 22 Canadian but regardless that's why I decided to do it. Yeah, and there was yeah. a, back, at the, back in that day there was lots of guys that were walking the border because I know when I was in Spokane County for eight months i met a dozen other canadians and we all had nicknames canada one and canada two wow really they all did you know the americans thought that weed was the coolest thing but uh going back to that yeah that that's why i decided to take a risk um i got caught and i got uh, tricked into going back to the port and i ended up spending uh, eight months of my life in spokane county jail did you try walking across or were you driving across no, we we parked in a stupid spot. Again, I was just a mule. Yeah. I wasn't the the mastermind or anything like that. So I was basically just taking orders and saying yes and going with the flow. We parked on the side of the road in a, in a Soyuz, and we walked through the snow. It was actually about this time of year because Soyuz is I a border believe. town, right? Yes, and it, it's it's bordered to Orville. So we 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 spent the night in Penticton, got up early in the morning, had these big, huge, world famous bags. And you got to think, Michael, 130 pounds, I think they busted us for. Two of us were carrying half each. These bags are bigger than we are. These bags are bigger than um, hockey bags. And we have waist high snow. Oh There's a fog out that day, so weather, everything was against Buddy's uh, planning. It went against it. We got you know honking the horns, to so we could find our way to the guys that are picking up the weed. Well, we ended up running right into border patrol and, oh, and RCMP with guns pointed at us, and yeah. So, do they have cameras? The how did they? How did they detect
0: you? How did they find you?
1: Uh, well. <laughs> Reading the discovery, because it was so foggy and we were doing loops, we had radios. And the guys that were on the other side of the border had vehicles, and we were radioing them to honk. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess in the vicinity of the noise of the honking, a Border Patrol agent who lives in a cabin and thought that this noise and behavior Strange. was weird. Yeah. And he called the den and made move on in the, in the noises. And yeah, they pieced it together. It was a joint effort from both sides and away you go. Oh, but again, at that time, you know, there was guys that were, you know, everybody was bringing hundreds of pounds over. Um, for whatever reason, it was the thing to do, you know. Uh, Canadian and, and Vancouver weed was... BC Bud that's where it was it everybody and everybody in North America knew what BC Bud was Tell me about
0: that moment when you were walking and you looked and realized that there were police around and border patrol Did you shit your I pants? was
1: I was so de- like we we drank water from the river I was dehydrated I had Be- Be- beaver fever I didn't know it till later I was so relieved I just basically put my hands up guns were pointed at me oh I fell flat on I flat down into the snow, yeah. and they came and did whatever with my hands, picked me up, cuffed me, and brought me in, carried me up the way. Yeah, we were exhausted. We were running around in circles in the middle of snowfall in a fog like idiots. We so you were lost essentially. Or, or... We were lost, yes. The oh whole thing was botched. We couldn't see nothing, and yeah, apparently this was done five or six times before, and it was a three, a three hour in and out, you know, no problems, and yeah, so it was a valuable lesson to be learned when, when you're 20,
0: 28 years old. Yeah, it's an understatement, I'd say. So they picked you up, they brought you into I guess warm cruisers, which you're probably grateful for. Um, were yeah. they at least like um, somewhat nice to you or did they treat you pretty shitty?
1: Well, because I'm on the Canadian side, my partner was left on the American side. We didn't get busted together. Oh, so geez. he got caught by the American people. The Canadian people brought me into the Orville or the Soyuz Department. Now they're in cahoots. They're sending and back back and forth copies of our footprints. There was no fingerprints. They followed uh, our path to where we had covered up the bags and yeah. brushed over with the with the broken tree branches and tried to cover our, our path as much. But I was tricked into going back to the port. But I was told that my friend, who was arrested under a pseudonym, and I've never spoken to the individual since this, episode, uh, since we were released, Yeah, he, uh, I was told that my friend was at the port ready to be picked up. Now here's the thing. He's the money man. I have his vehicle because you know that they released it to me. Um, now the deal is I have to drive to the port to pick him up. I didn't realize it was a setup. So you were immediately arrested. I was at the minute I got to the port and said, I'm here to pick up Joe blow. I was on American soil. Oh, I've never geez. seen cops rush a vehicle so fast. And again, out in Canada, we don't get to see guns. I had guns in my face. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was a scary experience. You, you, Basically, you breathe, you hear your heartbeat, and you don't move, you don't blink because you don't want to get shot. No, no, it's serious
0: business down there. Yeah, so they brought you into, I guess, the temporary jail, and then set you up for a court date. I imagine, and then yeah, and the whole time
1: I, I sat in county jail in Spokane waiting for court dates and everything. Eventually, long story short, I had to fire my paid lawyer from my partner. Because he wasn't looking after my right. anything that, that I wanted, and I couldn't communicate with him. I didn't know what was going on. I was in contact with the Canadian consulate. I ended up getting a uh, uh, what they would call a legal aid, and it was quite funny. Um, I can't remember the details. Fast forward to the last court date. It really upset the, the, the prosecutor because the judge told my lawyer and the prosecutor that it's his belief that I'm a fool and not a criminal. <laughs> that I should go back to my country, be with my family, and don't make any foolish decisions. Time served. So three days later, a Border Patrol agent showed up at the county jail Said, uh, we're here to pick up and transport Mr. Willox. And I was brought to the nearest port. They let me walk across. My dad was there to pick me up, and oh I've never God. looked back.
0: Whoa. You know what? And I bet you're sitting there thinking, I don't care what you call me. I just want to get out. Like, I'll, I'll accept whatever you want to, however you want to label it. I just want out of this, go home.
1: I, I imagine. Right. No. Exactly. Now, I don't know. uh, I'm going to share a quick little story with you. So fast forward eight months. When I got busted, I got busted at 160 pounds. When I came out, I was 244. Well, my the, the clothes that I was in, the pants I was in didn't fit. So basically I'm half naked going into this vehicle with shackles guys like, okay, well we, we got to do something about that. And after that, I'll take you for a meal. Where do you want to go? I said, McDonald's. So he took me to a Sally Ann. Here's a guy in his twenties, thirties. And, you know, in clothes looks like a, the, wasted guy or something, and he's trying to find me pants that fit, and it's Sally Ann, and they're all cautious. They bought me a pair of sweatpants that were bright purple or pink. They fit me, and they were comfortable for the ride home, but I'll never forget the look on those ladies' faces. They thought I was going to kill them or something. this is Border Patrol in the U.S. (laughs) coming back over.
0: Yes, yeah. My guess is that you probably didn't have a lot of access to cannabis while you're in jail.
1: No, no, the down there it's a real in this I've never done any any uh, um jail time in Canada as an adult. Yeah. It's different down there. Uh, One of my cellmates was into the hardcore stuff. So he had burns all over his body and face and stomach from being a meth cook. And the the, the hard drugs was the thing down there. And there's a lot of racism. So if you don't talk to the whites, if you don't hang with your color, you could be in danger down there. So it was a different world for me for the first few months. And I had to learn a few lessons in the first 90 days to be able to last the next five months. And not, you know, have any broken noses or anything serious happening.
0: So when did you return to weed? I mean, getting back to Canada, getting picked up, trying to sort yourself out.
1: I had to take a break. I took a break because uh, the, the, this was something that was not uh, approved from my parents. I was married at the time, you know. So, whether it was uh, illegal activities or not, smoking cannabis at the time was illegal for me because yeah. I wasn't using it for medical purposes when I was 30. And it was illegal. So, I had to, it was, it affected my, at that time, it was affecting my marriage. It was affecting the support and the trust from my family. So, yeah you <laughs> I had to step up up to, you know, to the plate and be responsible, found a job, did my thing. And then, you know, you you fast forward after three years of being in Alberta, I I was with the company for 12 years straight, same company, um, raised a kid on my own, full-time father, no mother involved until my son was like uh, 11 or 12, you know, big steps, but it's hard work. Now I can look back and tell those stories to my kids or grandkids with a little... little bit of education purposes behind them too but you know i wish my mom was around because she was a smoker and she always put her finger at me the devil's lettuce blah 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 (laughs) i wish she was around because i i bet you she would sit back and laugh and smoke a joint with me and say you know it's not that bad danny I, i can imagine you were traumatized after that for a bit for a bit but but you know what there was life lessons learned because of it too and If that wasn't a big impact or part of my life, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would be the person I am today because of it. Could have ended up worse. Maybe that was the first and only wake-up call I was given. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess you could call it that, couldn't you? Shit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Some people need six or seven wake-up calls or have nine lives. I don't know if I'm that lucky or not.
0: (laughs) Thanks for telling your story, man. Cheers. Well, thanks to Dano for kindly telling his crazy story. Can you imagine just how intense some of those moments must have been? Hey, if you like these stories, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. And if you have an unreal story that you'd like to tell, reach out to me, michael at distinctmedia.ca. Shout out to Dano Willocks for being a great sport. And we'll be back with another amazing story very, very soon. Cheers.
1: Thank you for listening to The Insider's Podcast. We do our very best to be as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for inaccurate details or facts. If a topic interests you, we're happy to have brought it to your attention, but please take the time to research the details for yourself. To find out more about Insider's Podcast and all of the work that we do, check out distinctmedia.ca.